Hey, everybody, it's Bills by the Numbers presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Coming up, is it time for the Bills to forego the idea of a more balanced attack and get back to air it out football on offense? Is there a difference between being lucky and good when it comes to forcing turnovers? And our one burning question, how many wins will it take to feel good about landing a playoff berth for the Bills? Tee it up, ref! Glad you could join us here on Bills by the Numbers, where we let the stats tell you where the Bills are at. Offensively, it's been a series of up and down performances over the past month for the Bills, and you don't have to dive deep into the stats to see it. In the last five games alone, Buffalo has scored 6, 45, 15, 31, and 10 points. The wild swings in production are definitely a cause for concern and a big reason why the Bills have alternated between wins and losses in each of their last eight games. Through the run game, or though the run game, has been the scapegoat of the fan base as the problem, as we pointed out last week on this podcast, Steve, their pass-to-run percentages were almost identical to that of last year. The only minor change was there were more run plays on first down this season in comparison to last year. But Steve, after 12 games, as we have said on our daily show, One Bills Live, You are what you are. In Buffalo's case, it's been more about what they're not. They're not a team that can rely on a rushing attack to balance out their offense. At best, it's a complement to their passing game. So what have the first 12 games told you about Buffalo's offense? Well, it tells you that teams have started to get a better handle on what they do. They certainly have started keeping a lid on the passing game. And until Buffalo can threaten them more with a running game, um, or at least – pull another safety down into the box to give them some space on the back end and protect Josh better in the passing game. You know, they're going to struggle. Although, when they drop back to pass, Josh is not having any trouble finding guys. There's a there's a lot of things at work here. One of the things is the conditions on Monday night. Well, right. Hard to throw the football. That the conditions a little bit in, of an anomaly. Right. The conditions in uh, against Washington here in Buffalo. Hard to throw in. The conditions in Kansas City, hard to throw in, even mm-hmm. though it was a win. They have really had some condition. You think about a throwing team, and, and I know it's it's kindled the debate about what the new stadium should be, dome or oh open air, gosh. that kind of thing. Look, if you're going to be a throwing team, yeah, okay, the conditions make a difference. But that's just for one stretch of what this team might be yeah. going forward. Uh, this is a team – that has been productive, but there are, I think, reasons for their inconsistencies, and I think it has to do with the inconsistencies of their offensive line and the way that's been shuffled around a little bit. You could argue that the line was shuffled around a little bit last year, which it was. I mean, Ike Butker had to play seven games. John Feliciano missed the first month-plus of the season with a torn pec. Uh, they had other guys shuffled in and out of the lineup. They just kept on rolling in terms of offensive production. I think some fans would argue that the pass game – was used to set up the run game, getting leads in games catered to maybe handing it off and being effective in the run game as well because teams were so concerned about defending the pass. So I think there's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing there too. Does the right. does the Bills passing game make their run game more effective or did it make their run game more effective in 2020? 
And can they get back to that now? That's kind of the question that rolls around in my head in terms of going back to more of the 2020 approach. So the question now is, Steve, have we reached a point in the season where the coaching staff needs to consider leaning on their strengths in the passing game more heavily to get this Buffalo offense to to some semblance of a rhythm going forward? Because I think you can at least agree the rhythm of this offense is there some of the time, and then it's not there. And when it's not there, it looks rough. Right. Here's what, what I think people get caught up in. You need to throw the foot. You know, you need to throw the football more. Run it less. You need to, uh, you know, get your run game fixed. Do this. Do that. Yeah, at this point of the season, it's not about run pass, short pass, long pass. It's not about screen passes or what. It's about guys. You don't rely on an aspect of your offense. You rely on people. You rely on your running backs, you rely on your offensive line, you rely on your quarterback, you rely on your wide receivers. You pick guys who have been productive and who are playing well, those are the guys you lean on. Now, when they okay. get their offensive line settled, as they may here in the coming down the stretch, uh, amazingly, they may be at their best offensive line-wise coming down the stretch here. Get those guys clicking better, and Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and Matt Breed and all these guys may be guys you can depend on more than you have been in the past because the guys in front of them are more solidified. And if you're going to throw the football, throw it to the horses. Throw it to Steph Diggs. Throw it to Gabe Davis. Throw it to Cole Beasley. Throw it to the guys you can count on. When you start getting into crunch time, you don't think play selection. You don't think philosophy. You think guys. Who have we got that can play? And that's who you lean on. Right. I will say at times, and and really what you're getting at here is – what has plagued them in games where they have come up short execution. It's been largely an execution issue. And I think, you know, you and I are on the same page with that. I think fans might disagree. They want to point at coaches. They want to point at play calling, but a lot of the failures that this team has experienced over the better part of the last two plus seasons have been execution related. And I'm not looking to bag on people in any way, shape or form. When I say this, Naturally, a lot of it drifts back to the quarterback. And sure, some of Josh's decision-making, some of his throws have been off the mark. But everybody's taken a turn at this on this roster. And you're talking about the horses to go to. (laughs) Steph Diggs has a difficult ball to try to catch in the end zone. It's probably blowing around up there in the air. He can't come down with it. Do we call that execution or we blame it on conditions? It's probably conditions in that particular game against New England on Monday night. But Dawson knocks at the end of the game. He commits a false start pre-snap penalty when they're down there at the six-yard line at the end of the game. And then on the next play, he can't come up with the football. Execution issues continue to plague this team. And it's believe me, it's not just Dawson Knox. I'm not trying to single him out. But everybody seemingly has taken a turn at some point or another in not coming up with a play. And I'm talking about offense only here when they absolutely had to have it. Now, If they do go back some way, shape, or form, Steve, to leaning on their pass game more heavily, is it reasonable to assume their run game efficiency will improve, knowing if the pass game resumes similar production to that of last year, it will put the defensive focus of their opponents on the passing game and pull it from their rushing attack? Well, it's all going to depend on what you said, the execution of the O-line. The running backs are who they are. Um, Breed has got some speed. We've seen that, and we've, we've clamored for to get that more of that on the field. 
Um, we have seen the coaching staff take make massive moves in the special teams and, and also Isaiah McKenzie off the field, uh, Marquez Stevenson off the field, um, and activating all the running backs. Yeah. That would point towards more of a physical running tack more than a speed element when you got Isaiah McKenzie sitting on the bench. But I think when this – I think it – and I always say this – I think it gets back to the offensive line getting back to the five guys they've had. They had for two games this entire season, yeah. the five guys they want out there, too. Um, that's been an issue. If you can get those guys back on the field, not only will you run the ball better, okay, maybe, but you're going to pass protect better as well. Right. You're going to be able to win some more one-on-one -on -one battles. And if you start lighting up the scoreboard and you, put a, you take a guy out of the box and the offensive line continues to execute in the run game like they did in the pass game – then, yeah, your offense looks a little bit more like what you're used to seeing, and the pressure put on them by your quarterback just becomes um, even more sharp. So I, I do think this is a team that has been sputtering a little bit offensively. Not that their numbers aren't pretty good. Right. But the consistency hasn't been there. And even if they were, had – I mean, it is like 100% all the way down to like 50% with this offense. If they could just run it at a steady 80%. Yeah. They would be much better off, and their record would be that much different as well. Yeah, the problem here is the wide variance of yeah. play on offense. As a matter of fact, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders documented it over the last two months, and they have the widest swath of play variance, I think, since 1991. The last team he could find with that much variance from one game to another over an eight-game stretch was like in the 90s somewhere. So it doesn't happen often. What they're doing is very uncharacteristic of them and of NFL teams in general. So they really have to get a handle on that and tie it down and make it more consistent going forward with five regular season games left to play. Time for the numbers game, Steve, and we're going to quiz you on the teams that have used the most play action this season. We often hear Bills fans pine for more play action from the Bills. So give us your best guesses as to the top 10 teams in the NFL through week 13 in terms of number of play action calls. I want to see if you can get five out of the 10 teams. Five here. out of the 10 top play action teams in the national. They've called football. the most play action this season. I will say Cleveland. Cleveland is not on the list. They're down in the middle <sighs> of the pack. You're kidding. Not in the top 10. San Francisco. San Francisco. Not there either. Baltimore. Baltimore is number four. 127 plays of play action. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay not on this list. Not in the top ten, I should say. Arizona. Arizona, number seven. Good job. Green Bay Packers. Not the Packers. Golly, Rogers is in the shotgun. A good man. Yeah, that's true. Who's under center a lot? Seattle. Not Seattle, sir. Golly, I, I got one out of like this. What have I had? You've got like, two. You've got, got two. two I just what, need you seven? to get five of the top ten here, and you've made five guesses. So you're two for five. Two. I've made two for five. Yeah. No. I've two for made, six. Two for six. Yeah. Okay. It's not. I mean, we're, New we're, England. Not New England. We're talking about a pretty random thing here. Um, and usually there's a reason I Houston. Quiz, quiz you on a certain subject. Houston, Texas. Not in Houston, Texas. There there are good 
there are some good quality football teams on this roster. Um, good offensive football teams on this roster. How about Tennessee? Not Tennessee. Tennessee's not on the list. They're not in the top 10 for play action through week 13. Kansas City. Kansas City, number six. Got Kansas City, good. Dallas. Dallas not there. You're kidding. Nope. The Rams. The Rams are a no again. One of the teams in the top 10 is coached by a friend of yours. Oh, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. <laughs> I see that was just that's just a pity clue right there. <laughs> you need one more team. You that need one more team to get Cincinnati. five of the top ten. Uh no, not Cincinnati. The Chargers. The Chargers, number three. Who's the first one? Did I get the first one? No, you did not. Vegas. It is not Las Vegas. They're not even on this list. You got five of the top ten. Denver. Denver is enough. Okay, so I will give you the other teams. Okay. Washington. Washington is on the list. Yes. Where do they? What number? Number nine. Uh, which you would expect. They're trying to help Taylor Heineke out as much as they can. Right. So here are the teams you did not get. So you got the Chargers, the Ravens, the Colts, the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and Washington. The teams you did not get, Atlanta and Philly, tied for 10th. Okay, so Matt Ryan and... Tied for 10th? Yeah, Jalen right. Hurts. The Giants at number eight. Okay, yeah. trying to okay. play fake with Saquon. Who's I guess that makes one? sense. Who's the other one? Number two, the Miami Dolphins. Really? Who can't run the football for beans. Okay. Number one, the Buffalo Bills. Really? 142 plays of play action this season, and they, as you know, wait, have only played 12 games. The Buffalo Bills have run more play action passes than any team in the league this year. 142. I'm a little bit flabbergasted. I am too. I was surprised to see it, but that's why I put the list out. Number one, and only 12 games. You got other teams that have played 13 games already, and they don't have as many as the Bills. Now, really? I think some of those were inflated. By virtue of the fact that, you know, you had a 40 to nothing game, you know, you had a 43 point game early in the season um, and they have wow. gone to it a little bit more. You know, they did it in the Jets game. That's amazing. So, yeah, I, didn't, I would not have gotten that. I, I, I Well, and you did. Because Josh didn't. <laughs> yeah, Josh, right. Because Josh didn't. Uh, I mean, we've seen him go under center some of late. Yes. In the last month, but. Hmm. I, yeah, you wouldn't have thought they made it up to that degree right. where they would lead the league. I was surprised to see it as well. Those stats, courtesy of Pro Football Reference Advanced Stats. Wowzers. Before anybody starts right. questioning me on social media. All right, not bad, Steve. A reminder for our daily fantasy listeners. Right now, new customers can get a 20% deposit bonus up to $500 on your first deposit. Just go to FanDuel.com slash bills. FanDuel.com slash bills. FanDuel, the official partner of the Buffalo Bills. We move ahead to our guest this week from the statistical and analytics site, the538.com. It's Josh Hermsmeyer who put together an interesting piece on how to determine if an NFL team is just lucky at getting turnovers or good at forcing them. Here's Josh. All right, Josh, uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm going to alert Bills fans that in your write-up, turnovers involve a lot of luck, but which NFL teams are lucky and good at the538.com? You used an unfortunate example for Bills fans to indicate how much luck is a function of turnovers. Isaiah McKenzie's fall and fumble against the Colts that essentially allowed the Colts to put the game away at the end of the first half. But why don't we begin there 
as much as coaches put their players through drills in practice to force and get turnovers, your data strongly suggests that turnovers are largely a function of luck, right? Absolutely. Well, the, the fumble recovery specifically, I think that there's probably a skill involved in, in, in teaching your defense to actually knock that ball out. We see it every week right? Uh, where you get the arm in there and, and, and punch it out with the fist. But then once the ball's on the ground, I mean, all bets are off. Where that, that thing is pointing on two ends and it could go anywhere. And, and as you saw in that McKenzie play, I mean, there's no reason why he should have fallen in the first place. He Maybe he was a turf monster. Who knows? But whatever happened, he <laughs> fell. And then there was no good reason for that ball to go as far as it did. It went from hash to hash right into a guy's arms. It really was terrible luck for the Bills on that play. And I don't know how much you can put that on McKenzie. Yeah, right. And, and also, the, <clears throat> it's interesting as well because the, the Bills' offense, I've said it, they left the field trailing by seven, kind of got right back into it, and all of a sudden the next time they – hit the field they're down 14 or down you know oh it's 24 7 it was 24 7 <laughs> right so the, the next time they get down it's they you know it's 24 7 so that it's not only the luck of that that turnover happened but the time of the game and the situation that it happened in is also completely unpredictable correct yeah i mean it it basically ended the competitive portion of the game for you guys and and that was unfortunate as well and uh you know, I, I, you mentioned what Coach said uh, this week uh, against uh, uh, the, uh, the Patriots and how he kind of changed things up with his return guys. Um, yeah, I mean, like, look, a, a, lot of, a lot of this stuff, when you're dealing with luck that impacts your playoff chances to such a high degree and, and the, the chances of winning a game, I can understand a coach being a little superstitious, but, man, it certainly sounds like he's got some damage control to do in that locker room this week. And then, Josh, I know – in your write-up that you indicated, and you've stated here already, that fumble recoveries are almost completely random. Force fumbles might not be because you have guys practicing it. I mean, Darius Leonard from the Colts has already used the peanut punch with very good success to force fumbles. But turnover-worthy plays are a different part of this conversation, and you built a model to try to assess and ascertain which quarterbacks might be more prone to turnover worthy type plays. And unfortunately, Josh Allen doesn't appear to rank high in this metric. Can you explain um, where we're at here? Well, actually he ranks well, the, the guys, um, the guys at the top there have, uh, they have more turnover worthy plays than you would expect. And so uh, okay, I think Josh okay. Allen actually is right around average. He just slightly is less than one play under expected. And, and that's, that's actually a, a pretty good thing. What, what, I, what I saw from this is that Carson Wentz has actually gotten pretty lucky. Uh, based on the type of throws he's made in the situations he's made them, um, he actually has been fortunate. The defense has not been there to make plays um, that you would expect. So that's what that model shows. Okay. It, it is interesting, though. I think, like, every time I look at the Colts this season, I see, like, lucky, lucky, good fortune. <laughs> and uh, I, I hope it continues for them because you need good luck. You need good health and good luck to, to, to make it in, in the tournament. But uh, you guys hit them at the wrong time, I think. What is the most surprising part of your research? If you look across it at the team, you know, at the players, maybe some guy who's wildly successful, but yet looks like he should be turning it over every other play or vice versa. A guy who turns it over, who 
Uh, you know, like there, there's a lot going around about Pat Mahomes, who's had a lot of interceptions go right through the hands of his own guys uh, before they were intercepted. What is there any surprising element to your research that maybe caught you off guard before you started? So for the past five years, uh, Jameis Winston has been the guy that throws the most turnover worthy plays as charted by PFF, like every year. And when I ran the model, they, he was even the most overexpected. So even given all the situations, he was still just throwing way more than you would, you would think. He went to Sean Payton, and in one year, Sean Payton turned him into a guy who was throwing fewer than you would expect. That's incredible to me. Wow. I mean, that, that's a testament to his coaching. He reined him in. He, I mean, Winston was having a really good season for Payton under center. And, and I know he, you know he had that first game where he threw four touchdowns on like like 150 yards and it was a little ridiculous, but I still think he, he turned him into a guy you can win with when as before with uh, Tampa Bay, perhaps uh, he was, he was a guy that was costing you the wins. So as you stated earlier, Carson Wentz has been pretty lucky and it's part of the reason why he ranks so high in your model in terms of turnover worthy plays over expected. Um, but with Josh's number, you said he's about average. I'm just hoping you can elaborate on this a little more. So does that mean within the scope of your model, he's not putting the ball in harm's way as much necessarily game to game? And because of that, his number kind of drifts more towards the mean. What, what's, the reason, what's the impetus for his number being where it is, I guess, is what I'm asking, Josh. Yeah, I guess I would say that he's playing pretty decent football like I mean okay. overall he's not throwing a lot of turnover worthy passes and and he's not getting unlucky or lucky so I think what we can say is that what you see is what you get with Allen right here there's no real adjustment to be made you think uh, you like his performance week to week and I think those fans on the whole should on the main should um, then you should expect it to continue and that's probably a a, a good thing uh, is, moving into the, uh, the later is there the any reason to think that these teams that have a season like this where certainly the, on, and you're, on the turnover-worthy plays over-expected, the Colts, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Buc Buccaneers, is there any you know wide variance? Like is one week, could they get really unlucky? And if it was totally random, you would think that it would be wide fluctuations in the number of turnovers this week compared to the next week. What – you know, connection can you make to the fact that some of these teams, it seems to be a chronic problem and others, it seems to be a chronic horseshoe. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a great point. And I think that there are like, it's more the case that great quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers avoid turnover worthy plays consistently. And that really, I don't know. Winston isn't a bad quarterback, but quarterbacks like Jameis Winston tend to, have more turnover worthy plays but then in the middle all bets are off got it's just very random in the center there yeah um and and so that's that's kind of where i put allen and because you know josh allen has had seasons when he was younger where he was throwing up a lot of plays that, that could have been turnovers and a lot of them were so uh, i think he's improved a lot in that regard last one i've got for you josh uh one of your colleagues jim armstrong who you know wrote turnovers and the unpredictability of defense a while back he said defensive performance is significantly less predictable from one year to the next than offensive performance. And I think it's because they're not holding on to the ball and making the decisions. Their play is more reactionary, right? Is that the main reason why you guys can't nail down and let alone be predictive, which is the Holy grail for you guys with defensive performance? 
That's it exactly. I, I don't, I think it's mainly our problem. We can't measure it correctly. Um, we're, we're trying to get closer with this tracking data to try and understand, you know, the biodynamics of, of football in a way on defense that might allow us to, to kind of drill down into what traits and skills are, are stable and we can predict off of that. Like for instance, uh, this year I wrote about uh, get off. So how quickly you can get off the ball after the snap, if you're yep. an edge player. And that is very predictable. That is something that you can say, hey, this is what a guy is, this is what he does. And it's a big reason why, you know, edge player, edge play is really um, important to football. Obviously it's very valuable, but the fact that scouts and, and GMs can actually project it forward from college to the pros uh, is a reason why they go so high in the draft. And so anyway, seeing that kind of result in the numbers is always helpful, you know, because you, you you want football to make sense. <laughs> yeah, we get it. Believe me. Exactly. Uh, thanks very much for the time, Josh. We appreciate you uh, spelling this one out for us a little bit and uh, weaving your way between the numbers to kind of make it uh, understandable for the layman, shall we say, of which I include myself in that category. So thanks very much for the time. We yeah, appreciate thanks, it, Josh. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's Josh Hermsmeyer, football writer and analyst for the 538.com. All right, it's time for your chance to win a million dollars with FanDuel's free pick style game high-low pick teams for four different stat categories that you think will score the highest or lowest for the week. The more you get right, the more you can win. Get them all correct, and you could take home a million dollars. Just go to FanDuel.com slash high-low to play. Steve and I make these picks each week, and Steve, you're going to lead us off with the high and low for teams on points this week. All right, my high for points, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. I see them in a bounce-back game against Washington. Defense, The Washington defense can't get their act together. They're 30th against the pass, yeah. and Dak is going to light them up. Um, even the Washington defense, they, they're they 24th in points allowed, let mm. alone 30th against the pass. So I think Dallas is going to have a big night. I think right. Dak's going to do it. And then for low on points, I'm going to go with one of my favorites. <laughs> The Chicago Bears. <laughs> Justin Fields could be back in the mix soon. He could be come back from injury, but it's not going to mean much. Uh, the, the Bears stink scoring points, and that's going to continue. All right. High for passing yards this week. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Derek Carr has been throwing it a ton. I expect it to be a shootout-type affair with their division rival, the Chiefs. So Raiders high for passing yards. Then low, I'm going to take the Texans. Rookie Davis Mills looks like he's going to start against the Seahawks. I realize Seattle is nothing to write home about defensively, but they did lose Jamal Adams for the season. I can't see Mills having a ton of success. So Texans, low for passing yards. All right, for high in rushing yards, I'm going to pound it out on the ground. The Denver Broncos, they're matched up with the Lions this week. Detroit's got the 28th-ranked run defense in the league. I see a big day for Javante Williams. The Broncos want to get back on track. And then the low for rushing yards, the Atlanta Falcons. They don't care to run up much to begin with, and they're going to go against a decent run defense in Carolina. So I think Atlanta, not only will they not try, they won't be successful when they do. Finally, high for sacks. I'm going to take the Bengals here. They've been a sneaky good pass rush team, 10th in the league in sack percentage, and they're playing the 49ers, and Garoppolo doesn't always get it out fast. So Bengals on the high side. Low for sacks, I've got the Jaguars. They've hit us. We've, we've hit on the Jaguars, I should say, once already this season on a low for sacks. And they'll be up against the Titans. Ryan Tannehill's an athlete who can escape trouble. So Jacksonville, low for sacks. Steve, we do have our one burning question. How many wins are the Bills going to need to feel good about them getting a playoff berth? They have five games to play. They have a 7-5 and five record. What is the win total necessary to get there to make to sure to feel good 
that they're going to get a playoff berth? 11. 11. That'll, that'll do it. Uh, I think 11 wins will get you in. And if, 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 if those wins fall the right way, if one of those is the New England Patriots, um, you drop maybe a game to the Bucks and win the others, I think maybe you got a chance at winning the division. Okay, uh, so but we'll see. But I, but for sure, I think eleven wins is going to do it. So just so you're aware, I think eleven wins will get them in as well. Just so you're aware, you're assuming a drop, dropping to the Bucks in a given scenario here. That means they would have to run the table on the final four games. Yeah, or Carolina, Atlanta, the Jets all seem to be if they win their advantage. First, bills. If they win their first four, they can drop the last one against the Jets and still do it. Can they? Yeah. Uh, can they afford another AFC in. conference They'll loss? Get They'll get in. Yeah, because those other teams have got a much more difficult schedule. Uh, the AFC North with Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati—that's a dogfight. They're going to knock each All other off. All playing each other, yeah. right? AFC um, West is in Tennessee, a similar boat. The the South, the Tennessee, Tennessee, Indianapolis question is a big one. Uh, but Indianapolis has got a further hole to climb out of than anybody else. Plus, Tennessee beat Indy twice this year right. already. That's a problem for Indianapolis as well, and they let's face and it, they, they got the to run the head on Buffalo, and they got to run, they got to run the table as well. The Indianapolis school, and that's hard to do, um, as hard it is as it will be for Buffalo. So, the, these other teams that are kind of in the mix, the the West, that's a dogfight out there. They're going to knock each other off as well. The West has got some teams. They got three teams or four teams all within a game or two of the, of the lead. So, yeah. I think if Buffalo goes four and one down the stretch. It'll shake itself out, uh, no matter how those games fall. But they do. I think they do have to go four and one to make sure they're in. Now they could get in with ten, but then you got to look at the scoreboard and say, "How'd you do today?" If if they you know? if they only have ten wins, they better have the right wins, which exactly. means New New England in the rematch and the Jets game. So at least you're seven and five in the conference, right. which which comes up as a tiebreaker pretty exactly early on. Right. When you're fighting for a wild card spot, which they would undoubtedly be and in I say, with just ten you've wins, been, you've been on the tiebreaker train a lot longer than I have. But with the conference so tight at the top and right around the threshold of the yeah. winning the division or being a wild card, you really got to start looking at it. It's, it is going to be a problem this year. The, the tiebreaker is going to be a thing, and the Bills have got to win some AFC games to get back in the race. Yeah, and they only have two left. Right. Because they're five and five right now. All they have is the Patriots and the Jets left on the schedule. They they have to win those two. They definitely have to be, beat New England in the rematch if they ha- want to have any hope of the AFC East title. Right. But just getting in, yeah, I'm with you. I think you got to get to 11, which means you've got to win four of your last five. And after this team has traded wins for losses in each of their last eight games, it's it's go time, guys. Right. It's yeah. go time. Yeah, you're running out of games to recover from a from a bad stretch, and got to stack them. And the next game you lose, whenever it is, you're going to be looking at the scoreboard saying, "Okay, that means now we're going to need some help. Yeah. We're going to have to keep an eye on people um, because there are so many teams with that number of wins coming down the stretch. You're going to have to start watching the scoreboard. Nobody wants to be in that spot. Fair enough. That'll do it for this edition of Bills by the Numbers. Remember to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use so you're notified when the next episode drops. And remember, when you need to know about the Bills, you need to check Bills by the Numbers. For Bills Wall of Famer Steve Tasker, I'm Chris Brown. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week, everybody.